fired up. <laughs> Woo! Somebody called my name. Hallelujah, right after that. Good night, man. I think I'm a little too amped up to preach. I might have to. I gotta, I'm serious. I was getting fired up. I gotta settle. I gotta settle down. I'm gonna start forgetting stuff. Um, so please open your Bibles. Just open up our Bible. Uh, Luke chapter 13. I've been reading a lot of Luke and we're gonna stay there. And it's been helping me and prayerfully this message today will help us all. Um, while you're turning to uh, Luke 13, just wanted to uh, remind you uh, about the uh, golf tournament that's coming up on August 25th at uh, Bears Best Course. And this is in conjunction with our walkathon efforts. This is a fundraiser. So if you're interested in playing golf, uh, see Keith Mangrum today if you know him. If you don't, the information's on our website. But Mark wanted to make sure we got that information out. And also, it should turn into Luke 13 if you still haven't found it yet. Um, there, please make sure you get a newsletter and check out all our, our midweeks uh, for this week. And if you are in the Young Families, uh, the women are meeting this week. So just want to make sure you knew that. All right, you there yet? Yeah. Amen. I gave you some time. Luke chapter 13. Let's begin reading in uh, verse 10. And uh, we'll read this and uh, say a prayer and uh, share uh, the message with you. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her. And immediately she straightened up and <coughs> praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. The synagogue ruler said to the people, There are six days for work. So come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it to water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath? From what bounder? And when he said this, all his opponents were humiliated. But the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. Let's pray. Father, we open up the scriptures this morning desiring to have hearts of humility. To understand the heart of Jesus and to see clearly your heart, Father. Father, help us to read this, to internalize this, to take ourselves back to this moment in that synagogue many years ago. And Father, help us to take away any spiritual help from this passage to allow us to live more like your son Jesus. Father, we want to delight in you. We want to be able to see people like Jesus did. and We want to have the right attitude and the right heart, God, because we believe that you can make all things straight and right. 
And we continue, Father, to pray um, for those of us who are struggling with illnesses and challenges. Definitely want to pray for our brother Sherwin, uh, who's under underwent a uh, procedure this week and has uh, definitely been experiencing some pain. And I know he would love our prayers. And uh, Father, I do pray for Sherwin that you can help help him to be healed uh, fully and recover fully. And uh, Father, I know even walking in this morning, Joe White uh, let us know that uh, after speaking with our security guard that uh, one of the Marietta uh, police officers was, uh, was, was killed uh, last night. And uh, I know that police officer outside, his heart is heavy uh, and he would like to have prayer for their family. And uh, so we do offer, we do offer up prayer uh, for that family as they suffer loss. And uh, Father, we, we, we just know that even as we read in this passage that uh, there are, there, this world is just is broken. It's broken. And uh, but God, but God, we look to you to fix it. And we know you can. And we, we have hope in you. And we believe in you. And we love you. And we thank you that you allowed us to be here this morning. And we pray in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So here we are in a synagogue again, and if uh, you remember from a few weeks ago, we looked at a passage in Luke chapter 4, and uh, we appreciate Luke. Luke was a, a, great, uh, a great man of many talents. Uh, he was a physician uh, by trade, but he also was an investigative reporter on the side. He wanted to, he, he wanted to provide an orderly account of uh, Jesus' life. Uh, so that we could have a full understanding of the impact of, of, of Jesus' life. So we appreciate Luke's physician mind, his also his attention to detail, uh, and his ability to tell the story of Jesus. And uh, one of the things I, I, wonder about, I wonder about Luke is that as a physician, I, I always wonder, when, because he was a physician and because whomever was placed in front of him in need, Whatever their social standing or whatever, as a physician, I believe he felt like he needed to administer help to them. And in an interesting of all the gospel writers, Luke is the one that always seems to bring to bear the stories of the people that are marginalized. The people on the, on the margins of society, the really poor, the ones who are hurting, women he elevates so often in, in the scripture. And, and so here, once again, we, we get great, the great gospel writer, Luke, giving us an example of what Jesus did in a synagogue for someone who was on, in the margins of society. And as you know in, in Luke 4, and maybe you don't know, perhaps you're new to the Bible, weren't here a few weeks ago, but just to give you an understanding of Jesus' ministry, you know, Jesus came and he actually, in a synagogue, stated his case, so to speak, that he was God's chosen and God's anointed to actually set the oppressed and the prisoners free. He took a passage from Isaiah, or a, actually a grouping probably of passages, and, and spoke that in a synagogue and basically told the people, I am who this scripture is referring to. That is me. I am here to set people free in the name of God. And many people did not like his message. This happened in a synagogue as well, and this in fact is the last time that Luke records Jesus being in a synagogue teaching God's word. And he is teaching and we find that there is a woman there who'd been crippled by a spirit, the scripture says. Crippled by a spirit. What does that mean? 
You know, this seems different than someone maybe with a birth defect. It seems like this is a different situation. Or maybe someone that had a really horrible fall or accident and therefore had this physical deformity. This scripture tells us this woman was bent over, but it was by a spirit. She was crippled by a spirit. And as I was reading this, I was reminded of the thoughts that our brother Jason shared with us last week. When he talked about the difference between pain and suffering. He, he being a, Jason being a physical therapist, and he talked about people in pain, uh, they, they know the reason for their pain, and they have a certain approach about it. They know why they're in pain. They kind of just want the remedy and to deal with it, but there's a certain mindset that a person that knows why. But if you've been crippled by a spirit, do you know why? Do you know why it happened? Was it because of something you did wrong, or... Is this punishment or what if she didn't know why? Is she, in that, is she in that category of suffering? Going through her life wondering why is this happening to me? But we don't have the details of how this happened. We don't know how old she was when she was crippled by this spirit. We, we don't even know. Did it happen at birth and now she's around 18? We don't know. Is she an older woman? We don't totally for sure 100% know exactly those details. So in your Bible study, when you don't get the details, guess what that means? It means you don't need them to understand the passage. Okay? Amen? We don't know, we don't know our age. Okay? That means we don't have to know. But here's the deal. In my study, I do find that it is fruitful to at least try to figure things like that out. To ask the questions. Because this is a real person. This is not made up. So this was a real woman of whatever age. But I think it's helpful when you read your Bible. Ask those questions and think about it and wonder about it. Maybe even put yourself in her shoes. We may not know all the answers, but what we do know is that which was spiritual adversely affected her physical body. That much we know. That which was spiritual adversely affected her physical body. That's the world we live in. Some of us refuse to believe something like that could happen. We just need empirical evidence to know why something happens. But I think the scriptures definitely challenge that mindset. We have to understand that there, this is a spiritual world as well and it does impact our physical lives. And this poor woman had to deal with it for 18 years. And as I studied, I thought about what in the world has happened in my life in the last 18 years. Think about your own life, the last 18 years. 18 years ago, I wasn't married and had no kids. What? It's like, has it been, I mean, I've gone, finished my 20s, got all the way through my 30s, now I'm halfway through my 40s. That's 18 years. What you've been doing for the last 18 years? I can't imagine I can't imagine trying to live my last 18 years like this. Right. And you know, everything in me just wanting to, yeah. that I can't for 18 years, 18 years. This is how I'm living my life. Wow. Can you feel where this woman could have been in her heart? 
And, it, and even when you see physical deformities, I believe sometimes in Scripture, it, I think it can also have spiritual ramifications as well. Yes, this woman is bent over in her person, but perhaps this is also a metaphor for life yeah. in this world. I believe this world is bent and can't straighten itself out either. Come on, Jeff. What did this condition do to her perspective? I thought about that. Her physical perspective. What did it do to her physical and emotional perspective? And then I, I saw this quote. I thought, this says it better than I, I do. So why don't I read it? For 18 years, she had not gazed upon the sun. For 18 years, no star of night had gladdened her eye. Her face was drawn downward towards the dust. And all the light of her life was dim. She walked about as if she were searching for a grave. And I do not, I do not doubt she often felt that it would have been gladness to have found one. Perhaps that was her perspective. In, in, unable to do things that other people could easily do. Always looking down, unable to see people's eyes, which sometimes may have been helpful because surely some people probably looked at her and just thought, so sad. I wonder what this woman did to deserve this. I don't know about her emotional perspective. I'm sure it was a deep challenge for her. But guess what? The scripture says, it talks about her, but it says, and a woman was there. Where was she? She was in that synagogue. That's right. We don't know a whole lot about her, but we know she was there. She could have been at home upset and bitter, but she was there in the house of God. Come on. And, and to me, I, you know, I appreciate this. You know, sometimes you just got to show up. Do you know what I'm saying? Sometimes you don't want to show up. Sometimes you feel like there's no reason for you to show up. I mean, who gave this woman great fellowship at the fellowship break? I don't think too many people. And a woman in this society, in a synagogue, it wasn't like she was valued in that setting. 18 years, but she showed up. The Bible says, and she was there. You know, some people in this room deal with chronic illness, chronic disability. And you know what I've learned in my years of ministry is I often don't relate as, that well. But that's a hard road, hard road. And I think many of us don't understand what people go through that have chronic illness. And I even asked a couple of, you know, I asked for some anonymous input from people that deal with chronic challenges to just, what are your thoughts on having chronic challenges and illnesses? And someone anonymously wrote, my illness makes me feel like I need to wear a mask. Everything is fine, but it's not. Feel like I have to make others think that I'm fine when all I really want to do is go home and cry in my bed. 
My disability is my greatest curse and my greatest gift. My greatest weakness and my greatest strength. But lots of days I'm thinking I'm totally alone and there's no one else that understands my pain. I don't even understand my illness myself. How can I share it with other people? And one of the other people I asked said that, that this is a, there's a feeling of isolation that you feel. You feel half known. Someone doesn't really know what you're going through. And it's hard to be surrendered to the limits that God has put on, this, on you. And there's a stigma. You, you feel isolated. You feel afraid to share. What will people think of me? Will they judge me? Will they tell me I just need to pray, be more grateful for what I have in my life, and just suck it up? And the other person, the other person said, you know, sometimes it's chronic, it's daily sometimes. And, you know, you feel like you can get empathy from some people for maybe the first 20, 30 times you talk about it. But the 10,000th time, you feel like there's no more empathy. They don't want to hear it anymore. But you're still going through it, day after day. But so many of us don't get it. But they're sitting right next to you right now. It's tough. This one says, I see my family, my friends, people around me. They're able to have joy, happiness in their lives. I have days of sadness, unable to laugh and enjoy any part of my life. It seems unfair. I want to know why I can't be more like them. I feel like an outcast in my own family and even to the people closest to me. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually, some days, uh, inability to feel completely rested even after hours or days of sleep. Feeling things so deeply and with such sensitivity, it becomes exhausting. Does that describe your life? Some of you say no. But some of you sitting in this room are on the verge of tears. Because that's your everyday existence. You might not look like this, but you've been over in spirit. And you can't straighten up. And it's hard. And you read about this woman. But all I can say was, she was there. She showed up. Sometimes you just can't quit, right? Just don't quit. You don't have the strength. You don't have the answers. But just show up to the house of God. Show up to the presence of God. I guarantee you that morning that woman woke up, she wasn't thinking, man, I'm going to go to the synagogue today and I'm going to be healed of this. I don't think she believed that was going to happen. But she still showed up anyway. And one of the ladies said she looks forward to heaven. And people don't really understand, but praise Jesus because he does. And look what happens next. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. When Jesus saw her. You see, Jesus, with his sight, it wasn't just a physical act with Jesus. Jesus had the ability to see into your soul, you know. He could see what was going on in her heart. It wasn't just he physically saw her. And he called her forward. Think about that, though. I mean, what if I just called somebody forward from the back row? I mean, you could be able-bodied, good to go, a deacon in the church. If I just say, come on, you'd, you'd be like on the spot a little bit. Just a public, just out of nowhere, hey, come up front. But imagine this woman, I mean, this is, she's probably trying to just stay in the shadows. Just trying to show up and just trying to keep it together. Stay in my lane today, just trying to do my best to walk with God. 
But Jesus sees her and says, come on forward. And what did that look like? I mean, did every head turn? I mean, how long did it take her to walk all the way down there? I mean, couldn't Jesus just said it? I believe Jesus knew he could have just said it. But here's the interesting thing to me, and I don't know if this is totally true, but it, to me, I wonder, because he says to her, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. To me, that's all, it, that's all she needed. I mean, to me, that's all she needed. He said it, you are set free. But I believe, she, I, don't think she, I don't think she believed it. I, don't, I think she's just so used to, I mean, you can say whatever you want, man, I'm, I, I, okay? I mean, and then what does it say? Then he placed his hands on her. Yeah. I think she need. I think she just need. Oh, I can't. I can stand up. You know, sometimes it's hard just to. You know, I appreciate Jesus. He's not just preaching sermons out there. He's trying to touch our lives. Because sometimes that's what we need. We need that touch. And you know what? Jesus is not walking around in the flesh anymore, guys. I hate to break it to you, but his church is, and that's you and me. But we need to be like this with people who are bent over spiritually and physically. We need to have this type of heart. We need to be able to call people to us. And give them some love. A helping hand. And sympathize and show compassion to people who struggle day after day. I appreciate the way Jesus sees people. And I appreciate how all it took was just a word. Just a sentence for Jesus. Jesus is amazing to me. When I read this, I, I mean, you are set free. I mean, I just love his, his, his verbiage. I love what he's saying. Put his hands on her. The woman stands up straight. And what does the Bible say? And immediately, she straightened up and praised God. Immediately, she praised God. And you go, well, sure, I would have too if he'd have healed me. I say, well, don't be so fast. Open up your Bible. Jesus healed 10 lepers one time. Only one of them came back. One of them came. None of them just kept on walking. Oh, this is great. Thanks. You know, not even one of them. Just kept on walking, even though they've been healed. So don't just so quickly assume that somebody, somebody that's been healed by Jesus is just automatically going to have gratitude. Right? Some of you don't have no gratitude. God has saved your life out of madness and craziness and you can't even muster up gratitude because you're getting tired. It's been 18 years or whatever. Hey, let me tell you something. How did this, the, the praise was immediate though. So what was that? And so to me when I read that, I believe that all those 18 years are showing up. Showing up. Just showing up. And not quitting. And just showing up. I believe she'd already been praising. I think just sometimes we need to just be grateful people show up. Sometimes they show up. Why didn't you show up this way? You're not happy. You're not giving. You know, you know what, man? Sometimes you just need to be happy they're here. I believe the immediacy of her praise is because it was under the surface right there. That's right. It was right there. She was already thankful. She'd already had a, 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 a character shaped by praise, even though this was her perspective. She still, that's why it was immediate. Immediate. <clears throat> and I'm so grateful for Jesus being so powerful. 
He is the stronger man. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. 1 John 3. He can destroy 18 years worth of work in one sentence. That's who Jesus is. He's the stronger man. That's all he needs to do. And so she stands up. She's praising God. And in the midst of this praise, what we got next? You can't tell me Luke did. I mean, this is just a contrast. That's right. Every, I mean, she's praying, and then what? Indignant <laughs> that Jesus healed on the Sabbath. The synagogue ruler really gonna get up and notice who he. What does the Bible say? Who's he addressing? Who's he addressing? The people. Why is he talking to the people? You know what I'm saying? If you got a problem, take it to the man. Right? He don't have the courage to do that. He, you know. And, and listen to the ridiculousness of what the man says. Right? He said, hey, we open for healings every other day of the week. <laughs> but not today. Don't be coming on the Sabbath and get hit. As if she could have showed up on Tuesday and he was going to heal her. She's been there 18 years, ain't nobody done nothing for her. Right? I mean, it's, oh, come on, come on another day, we'll take care of this. You ain't taking care of it for 18 years. <laughs> we don't understand all of what's happening. And suffice it to say, this sermon is not about the Sabbath. But I do think the indignant spirit of this man, in contrast with the praising of the woman, is, is very telling. And when you read about the Sabbath and you do realize that yes, God created and on that seventh day he rested, okay, from his creating. And then you read in Deuteronomy 5, <coughs> verse 12, observe the Sabbath day keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and, and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, either you nor your son or daughter, your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your town, so that you, your male and female servants may rest as you do. And here's what most people forget about this. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. What was this guy feeling, the synagogue ruler? For him, the challenge was the Sabbath had become an area for man to show how good he was at keeping the rules. To oversimplify the argument, but for I do believe that was in there. Is that the Sabbath became, okay, what's the Sabbath? You can't work. Okay, cool. That's good. We got it. We got to be good spiritual leaders. We got to keep people from working. Amen. What is work? That's a good question. Let's figure out what is work. Okay, you're not allowed to do this. You can't bake anything. You can't cook anything. You can't. Right? So they came up with ways a person could work. Now, again, that's not all bad. But the problem started to happen that people became enamored with their ability to follow these rules and these traditions that came from the rules more so than ex experiencing the rest that God had really called for in the first place. Yeah. A time to really get restored. 
a time to really reconnect with God. Instead, it became how good you are at following rules. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. And then, wow, not, not only following the rules, but what about, what if you're the person in charge of enforcing the rules? Well, you got a big job, right? And so he, I believe that synagogue ruler, just, that's all he could see. It's interesting. It's almost like the woman was bent over, couldn't stand up straight. She couldn't see. It's almost like the synagogue ruler was spiritually bent over. Yeah. It seems like he couldn't see the heart of God because he was so focused on the rules that they had created to follow. And instead of seeing something compassionate and beautiful, Jesus seeing someone extending mercy to this person, the person receiving the mercy and being given back gratitude and praise. What a beautiful transaction between the divine and human. And all he's thinking about is somebody's breaking my rules. And this isn't right. Which side are you on? We all have that tendency, right? Yeah. You know, so sometimes we got to be, be careful that in your desire to follow God and to do things for God, that you don't hurt people's ability to be with God. Yeah. And sometimes those can be a challenge. Yeah. We can pat ourselves on the back for the work that we do for God. Right. And we can miss out on the heart of God. And what God is trying to do in somebody's life. We got to be careful, right? We all do. I do. I think you do too. And here's where Jesus, man, you think the synagogue ruler was indignant. Jesus was indignant too. <laughs> you just don't want the Bible to say, and the Lord answered you, you hypocrite. <laughs> Exclamation point. <laughs> That's hardcore right there. I don't want to be on the tail end of that exclamation point from Jesus. You hypocrite. You know, a word that kind of combines a word that means like under or beneath with another word that means to judge or to give an opinion. And it's even like a secrecy, like a, a giving your opinion secretly. You know, some of that I think is what's going on with the synagogue ruler. But there's also this whole concept of someone who acts kind of pretentiously. Someone that's even a pretender or counterfeit. Someone who acts under a feigned character. And, and the word actually did become to be used for actors in a play. You hypocrite. Who are you to secretly judge? Who are you to act so pretentious like you got it all figured out? Who are you to think that you're a protector of God? You're just, you, you don't even have the character. You don't have the knowledge to do what you think you're doing. I mean, Jesus said, this is exactly what needs to be happening on the Sabbath. <clears throat> hey, don't you have an ox or a donkey? You got sense, you got, he said, Jesus said, I mean, you got sense enough when you look at a donkey to know it's thirsty. You got sense enough to untie the rope, walk it over to the water. You got sense enough to do that, don't you? So that's not work. You do that on the Sabbath, but that's not work. So why shouldn't I help this woman, a human, made in the image of God, a child of Abraham, in the lineage of the promises of Abraham, why shouldn't I untie her from what Satan has bound her for 18 years? Why in the world would I wait on any other day but the Sabbath to untie somebody from what Satan has bound them with? 
And this woman resting in a new body, so to speak, new abilities. What a picture of what Jesus can do to all our lives. <clears throat> but you know what? This is to me a great example of what Jesus is trying to do and what Jesus will do. Jesus is going to come and set this bent crooked world straight. That's what he's going to do. This miracle is just a little foretaste. Just a little, just a little something to give you an understanding of what Jesus can do. This is what Jesus did just as a, a person in the incarnation. But when he comes back, he's not going to have any of these limitations of a person. And he's going to make this world straight. And he's going to take all of our bent spirituality and our crooked thinking. And he's going to straighten us out. And hopefully we will be praising. And we will respond with praise. Not a sense of entitlement. As if like, well, it's about time. You know, I've been waiting. Because that's how some of us can be. Jesus does something for us. Well, thank goodness. Man, my goodness. I mean, I've been spiritual for this whole time. Gee whiz. Finally. Amen. No, man. You better, you better learn how to praise in the good times and the bad. You better figure out how to praise when you bent over and can't even see up. You got to figure that thing out. And, and I think, and, and, and I want to give you some takeaways, all right? These are some takeaways. Think about these things. I'm, these are some questions for you. <clears throat> and some of you I know in your small groups throughout the week, you like to take the Sunday message and kind of use it as a platform for your small group. So, amen. So, here's a little food for thought as you think about the passage we've spent some time with today. I just want to ask you, do you see people like Jesus sees people? Are you willing to see people beyond their external conditions? I want another thing I want you to do. I want you to think of someone that you know that has a chronic illness. It could be physical or emotional. How can you show compassion to them this week? This week. The other one I want to ask you is, are you able to truly praise God while you wait for a positive result? Can you praise while you wait? Or is there bitterness just below the surface? It's a good question to ask yourselves. Another one I want you to think about, are you more concerned with your performance for God than really living with God? walking with God do you lean more towards feeling good when you follow the rules or are you more grateful for God that he's willing to have a relationship with you rules or relationship which one do you lean more toward which is more important to you <clears throat> and then I think it's just helpful for you thinking about this scripture I want you to think about how this scripture is a foretaste of what's going to happen when Jesus finally returns. What will it look like if Jesus destroys the effects of the fall? What happens if God is able to restore us and make us whole and make all things that are crooked straight? Think about what that could look like. 
Hopefully you can take some of these thoughts and maybe open up your Bible tomorrow morning with your Starbucks or whatever you do. Uh, or in a small group setting. And hopefully we can be inspired more and more about how incredible the compassion of Jesus is and how he calls us to live a life like that. And how even if today you are bent over emotionally or even physically, that Jesus is the one that can make it all straight. And let's pray to him. Father, we are grateful for this opportunity to hear from Luke's gospel. So inspiring, uh, Father, to see your plan in action, to send Jesus to, to destroy the devil's work. And uh, Father, to see someone who had to live so much of her life in discouragement and in pain be able to rejoice because of what you're able to do. And Father, I pray that we can have a heart to really see Jesus for who he is so that we can see other people for who they are and look beyond the external and be able to minister to their hearts spiritually. God, help us to take the message of Jesus to our neighborhoods, to where we work, to wherever we go in the world. Father, we know that your message impacts people all over the world. Just use us, Father, and help us to live compassionately in practical ways. Not just think about compassion as a cool ideal. That it was great to feel things for people. No, get, help us to have the, the willingness to do something about it as well. Whether it be with our physical neighbor or whether it be for an orphan in Africa. God, help us to just have the heart to live compassionately in this world. That needs compassion all over it. Thank you, Father, for giving us Jesus, the light of this world, to help us know how to live just like him in a bent over and crooked world. Thank you for making it straight. And we can't wait for Jesus to come back. Pray in his name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>